The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. How you doing? Welcome. It's the Roto Experts. Here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That's right, the King is back. We will here be here every Sunday morning from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern. Look for the X, the mark of fantasy excellence. We are back. We will take your calls today, 844-843-6879. And before we do that, since it is opening day for us, Let's uh, take the team and introduce them out of the dugout. Let them tip their cap to you. Leading off and playing center field for Roto Experts every week. He is from the New York Yankees, George Blue Line Kurtz. George, good morning. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing today? Good. I'm very good. I'm looking forward to... Uh, you know, nestling in and hosting with you every Sunday, my friend, for three hours. All right, it's been a long time since you and I have worked together on a regular basis and not a cover basis. Looking, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And our producer, he is behind the plate. He is from the New York Rangers. He is Pete Considori. Pete, good morning. Good morning. A um, little weird that ice hockey players playing baseball, but why not? Uh, behind the play for you guys every Sunday. Glad to have you guys back. Well, I couldn't introduce you any other way besides yeah, the Rangers did play it. at City Field, right? That's true. That is very true. It's a winter yes. classic for me. It's a winter classic, so we'll be glad to have Pete. And today we'll take your calls. I gave you the number. I'll probably give it to you a dozen more times every two minutes. And uh, we're going to have Roto Experts at the Park, the return of that. You can also catch it online at rotoexperts.com. Today we'll be talking to Todd Frazier. Uh, we'll also have our Philadelphia Phillies, Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola, and Luke Weaver of the St. Louis Cardinals. So if you're going to stay with us for the full three hours, you're going to have a lot of uh, exclusive player interviews. But I begin the morning wondering how much I should bid on, uh, on uh, Otani here in Tout Wars. He's actually a free agent. And uh, I have a lot of my budget left, uh, George. I'm, I think I'm going to throw almost $200 at him. Oh, Ty, a free agent? I'm surprised. Now, I know Tao uh, drafted a little later when uh, Tani's value had gone down because he had yeah. a really a horrible spring training. I'm still surprised he wasn't drafted. I guess the first question people want to know, Scott, oh, that comes to my mind is, all right, what are the rules in your league about Otani? Is he just a pitcher, just a hitter? Can he be used as no, both? For hitter, you put him? for hitter or Otani. For hitter Otani. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to throw 20% of your budget. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt that'll be enough. You know, I I don't know if I I think in most no, I think in non-expert leagues I wouldn't be enough. Someone will over, overbid for him, right? I don't know if I, I should 
I should bid but that much more for him, though. Do I want him that badly that, you know, it's just a hot start is going to make me bid over $200 on him? Well, it's 20%, right? We're not really, uh, yeah. That's what we're looking at here. I don't think 20% is all that bad. I yeah. don't. I think I'm going to leave my question is, is, I think there'll be somebody who really believes that, oh, this is going to be it. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably in, more in your camp. I would probably go more than 20%, but probably not more than 30 So I'm a little higher than you, but I don't, even that, I don't think it would be enough. I think someone will really believe this is the start of something big, and they may go 40 to 50 They may think this yeah. is going, you know, and they'll you know, buy just, in here. I'm just going to leave it at 24%. I, I can't spend that much because uh, Sosa's already said, that Otani's not going to hit the day before or the day after he pitches. You know, right. they're going to do a six-man rotation. So he's going to pitch once a week because he's not going to hit three days a week. So I, I can't do that. Right. Mm. Assuming you believe Sosha. I don't know. I don't know how much I need Otani either. So uh, I'm probably not going to go more than 20%. I might even down it when we took the commercial, like down to about – 12%. So I, I, I don't know if I don't want to overreact to what's going on here early with Otani. With don't blame him. I have uh, in the overleagues, I mean, I only have one share. And I'll, I admit, 10 days ago, I was annoyed I had that share because he looked terrible. Now I'm kind of happy I have that share. But uh, he's not available in any league that I play in. So you can't I don't, overreact I don't have to You can't overreact to too much what's going on in the se- early in the season. Uh, we'll take your calls at 844-843-6879. We'll go over two start pitchers, who's hot and who's cold, and uh, talk to some players. But it, it's good to be back, and uh, you know, thanks to everybody who's listening. And they're talking about who's hot. Mikel Franco, here is a guy that has been a big disappointment in his career so far, George. But yesterday with a six RBI game, and maybe he's thinking that, okay, if Scott Kingery can unseat anybody, it's probably me. So far out of the gate, he's hitting 216 with a 316 with 11 RBIs and a 409 on base percentage, a 789 slugging percentage, and 11, 1199 OPS. Yeah, Frank goes uh, off to a hot start, and it's probably like the cliche goes, and you know how much cliche I hate cliches, but it's now or never to Franco for prove himself. He started off slow in the first four games, but he's really picked it up lately. Yeah, Franco, you said it perfectly. I think uh, everybody, or at least quite a few players on this team, have to realize that sooner or later, Kingery's taking someone's starting job. All right, it could be Franco. You know, it could be Hernandez. Maybe Hernandez gets traded. It could be an outfielder. Uh, but Kingery's going to play somewhere eventually. I don't think he could take over Crawford at shortstop. I don't think Kingery's a shortstop. But everybody else is pretty much put on notice here. We know Franco has power. He's proven that over the past couple of years, 25, 24 home runs. His problem has been that 11th commandment rule, which is thou shall not pass stop being swung at. He needs more plate discipline here. Maybe he figures it out this season. Maybe he realizes he has better pitch recognition. Maybe he realizes that you know, he's not guaranteed a job. You know, it does take some plays longer than others. So hopefully for Franco, this is not just a quick start here, a quick couple of good games, really what it is so far. And he is becoming the player that most of us assume he'd be when he first came up. Yeah, again, it's so early. We're a little over a week into the season. It's very early to call with any of these these kind of streaks. You just you can't overreact. I know Greg Sussman is somewhere, but and he's probably bidding $500 for Franco because nobody overreacts like Greg early in the year. But uh, 
No, I have been third base in Tout Wars, and, you know, I'm eight days in, I'm in second place, so maybe I should take a snapshot of the standings right now. Gregory Polanco, we just wanted him to stay healthy, and that's what he's done so far, and he's hitting 280 with 11 RBIs, and he's also walked eight times. He's got a 441 on-base percentage. We knew this guy, kid, had the all-around skill. It was just a matter of staying healthy. It really, the injuries really just derailed his progress. Yeah, I mean, it's really what it is. Uh, he's another player, uh, sort of like Franco. Had a lot of uh, a lot of pub coming up. He was going to be the next big thing. The Pirates certainly need him to be that big thing this uh, this year. You trade away McCutcheon. You don't have Cole. Need someone for the fans to uh, sort of uh, rally around. This whole team has gotten off to a hot start. You know, so do we believe on Polanco? Is this going to be the start of something big, or is he going to end up sinking down eventually? I want to believe, Scott. I truly want to believe. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. Something's telling me no. I think I have more faith in Franco than I do Polanco. And ballpark factor to me comes into this as well. Justin Smoke was a guy who had a real renaissance season last year. He was a top prospect years ago. And uh, talking to some people in Toronto, he was actually on the verge of getting cut before last season. And had, had a 38 homer season, but a lot of non-believers in drafts. I remember he went for only $12 in the Tout Wars mixed auction. But Smoke is like, okay, you want to pass on me? It's, I'm going to come out the same way that I did last year. So far, he's hitting 344 with two home runs and 10 RBIs and a 436 on-base percentage. I'm a believer in Justin Smoke. I, I kind of believe what I see. It's one of those cases in baseball where a guy just reworked himself, retooled himself, and I, I think Justin Smoke is here to stay. I, I would agree with you again. Uh, I think when it comes to Smoke, I understand people being a little shy at draft time, sort of because he's a one-year player. Let's see him do it again. One-year wonders, I like to call them. I know for me personally, I'll, I need to see a second year before I totally buy in uh, in fantasy. I think he's proving that that he uh, some players got it. Just baseball is a hard game. You know, from my mind, you know, all the sports I enjoy, the hardest thing to do is hitting a round ball with a round back, going 95 and not worried about it killing you. You know, so it's, it's extremely difficult. And some players don't figure it out in year one. Some, people, some players, it does take five, six years. And I think Smoke is one of those players. I think he's comfortable now in Toronto. Good line, good ballpark to hit in. I'm a believer. Preston Tucker for the Braves, 385 with nine RBIs. And and a 414 on base percentage. Former Astro, correct? Yes. Uh, yes. I think we've Tucker. Seen, is, we've seen flashes from Tucker before, but nothing ever sustainable. And I don't think this is sustainable either. You know, I also have to worry that what's going to happen when Acuna comes up. You know, is he the uh, odd man out here? Does he lose his job? I think that might happen here. Maybe he has delayed Acuna's uh, arrival a little bit. I'm not even sure that's true, but maybe he has. You know, I think that's the, sort of the best-case scenario here. I think if you're uh, picking up Tucker, that's fine, but you have to realize it's a short-term pickup, week, two, month at most, and then you're going to be looking for another guy. Remember on opening day when everybody was talking about Matt Davidson and his three home runs? He's hit one since then, and he's got a 280 average. I think Davidson pretty much is what you see is what you get here. He's probably going to end up hitting 210 with about 30 homers. Yeah, I think it's exactly what, what the type of player is. The power could be le legit. It wouldn't shock me if he hits 40 home runs, Scott. would shock me at all. Band box of a ballpark he plays in. So go uh, good for him there. But the average is going to be a killer. He is that type of player. Chris Davis type. Lots of home runs. Going to crush your average. Looking at who's hot early. 
Uh, also, uh, Jose Martinez, who I got a chance to see at City Field last week, and this guy already is like homered off of uh, you know some some really impressive pitchers. Uh, yesterday, uh, he homered as well. He's hitting three fifty seven with four home runs and eight. I'm sorry, two home runs, eight RBIs, uh, five seventy one slugging percentage. Uh, homered off of Syndergaard on opening day, and Martinez is kind of picking up where he left off last year. I, I just wonder when the slump is going to come, though, because he's such an aggressive hitter. Yeah, there's the slump will come, but uh, I'm on board with Martinez. First, he's an outfielder, so that automatically puts him, uh, me on board with him because, listen, we have to start so many outfielders and uh, between uh, reserves and utility players. There just aren't enough outfielders to go around. If you wanted to make an argument that he's the best hitter on St. Louis, I wouldn't debate you. I think he is that good. I think, uh, oh, I think he's a legit fan. player. I, it's close. I'm not a huge fam guy uh, either. Uh, for that matter, but uh, I like Jose Martinez. He's a guy. If he's available on your waiver wire. I'm running out to grab him. I don't think he's gonna be a superstar. Don't get me wrong. Not a, maybe not even an all star, but I think he's gonna be a good, useful player. Yeah, plus this guy is really hit well so far. He's homered off of Syndergaard and Grinky so far this year, George. Yeah, Syndergaard hasn't looked like Syndergaard yet. Uh, like I said, uh, see, I mean, listen, I feel like we're going to play negative Ned here. And Granky, I, I think he's had all sorts of problems. Got beat up again yesterday, too. Uh, Granky's another player I really wish I didn't have on my fantasy teams. Are you already uh, jumping ship on Zach Granky there, Georgie? Uh, the one, I mean, I was annoyed, Scott, the one league I got him because I think I got him second or third round, and there was a huge run at pitcher. So I was, he was the last, last even remotely close top 10, top 12 pitcher. And so I was annoyed that I had to take him because I didn't see the run coming. That it was going to be literally. I think at one point six straight starting pitches went before me. So you got to be kidding me. So I was upset about that, and I didn't want Greg. He didn't like the velocity drop in spring training. I know it was similar to what happened last year, but uh, the I don't the humidor I thought was always uh, overplayed so much. So wasn't happy to get Granky, and unfortunately, right now he's living up to my expectations. Living down to my expectations. He pitched, he pitched well in the opener, five and two-thirds innings, one run, nine strikeouts, and, you know, the velocity drop thing was totally overrated. Didn't pay rich well yesterday. Uh, so you'll stick to the negative there. You are being negative, Ned. I think it's because I, I, I was negative. If you starts, go- you'll stick to the negative one. I think it's because I was negative going in. I think that's the problem here. I think if, if I was positive going in, a player I believe in, it would be the opposite. But I was negative going in because I was annoyed I had him. You know, I was just just annoyed here. Anyway, his first start was against Colorado at home. They're a different team uh, away from the Coors Field, too. Actually, they, they aren't even hitting at home yet. How does Annabelle Sanchez only give up two runs to that team? St. Louis doesn't have a murderer's row either. We can keep going on this all day. You're not going to convince me on Granky. Yeah, I, I think you'll, you'll end up better than you do. Colin Moran was a guy that nobody seemed to want, uh, but he did come over from the Astros in that Garrett Cole trade, I believe. Uh, and Moran's off to a very hot start. He's hitting 320 with eight RBIs and a 520 slugging percentage. He's locked in at third base. You talked about how the Pirates have started off hot. Colin Moran's a free agent in some leagues. I think you got to pick him up as a corner infielder. I would think he's a free agent in most leagues. Uh, yeah. He didn't have a lot. I mean, he did come over in the cold trade. You're, uh, you're correct. But he didn't come over with a lot of publicity. People had some doubts about him. He's moved around a bunch uh, and as far as different organizations. But he's going, to play, he's going to play. It's the most important thing. He's going to play. Pitcher's going to give him a shot. They really don't have anybody else as far as a full-time. They've got to justify that cold trade here. I don't think this keeps up, though, Scott. I think he's another player. 
you know, come midsummer is going to be batting around 240, 250. Could have some legit power. 20, 25 home runs wouldn't shock me, but that may be all you're getting out of him. If you have any fantasy baseball questions on who to pick up, we'll talk about some more uh, waiver wire options a little bit later in the show. The number to call is 844-843-6879. It's 844-843-6879. Miguel Sano is off to a good start, too. He's hitting two ninety six with three homers and eight RBIs. And he's also got five walks, which you really like from Sano. There's going to be no suspension. Really helps you in on-base percentage leagues. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in Sano. Just stay healthy. The man will hit. He may not be in the greatest shape, may not look the best, may not be the best human being. But uh, the man stays healthy. He will hit. Yes, and the New York Mets are off to a 6-1 and one start. Uh, Jonas Cespedes is hitting just two twenty two, but he does have three homers and seven RBIs and a three forty four on-base percentage. Thankfully, he does look healthy so far. That's, uh, that's the key with the Mets, right? I mean, you can say that about all their players. Just stay healthy. I think the Mets are going to be more than competitive this year. I think they're uh, a, a good team. I may worry about their pitching staff more than the hitters. As far as Syndergaard, Harvey, Mats, uh, DeGrom, all these guys have had injuries. If they can just stay healthy... The Mets are going to make some noise this year. I understand, I understand a lot of teams could say that, but I, uh, I think the Mets are proven. Stay healthy, they'll compete. All right, we'll look some more at some early league leaders coming up next. And later in the hour, my exclusive interview with Todd Frazier of the New York Mets. All that and more coming up on the Roto Experts right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Playing Daily Fantasy Basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com premium and learn more about our awesome product. We are back here on the Roto Experts on Fantasy Sports Radio Network, the longest-running morning show in fantasy sports radio since 2010. And dominate DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer with Daily Roto's MLB projections and optimizer. Go to dailyroto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the same tools and projections that have produced four millionaire winners and millions more in total winnings than that. So head over to dailyroto.com slash premium, save 10% with the promo code FNTSY and see the results for yourself. Scott Engel and George Kurtz talking some fantasy baseball. Also, if uh, if you're playing DraftKings Fantasy Racing this morning, go to dailyroto.com. Dot com and check out Sean Engel's uh, preview for the Texas race, fully updated with qualifying results and everything else that you need. Let's get back to some fantasy baseball here, though, and some early season trends. Not too much stands out in terms of stolen bases, except for Tim Anderson, though, who was uh, really off to a hot start across the, across the board. With three home runs and four stolen bases, of course, he has struck out uh, ten times, which has really been his bugaboo over his first two-plus seasons so far. But could this be the breakout year for Anderson? If you get in a combination of pop and speed here, that's very hard to come by. 
Well, you might argue that a, you know, a breakout half season last year with Chicago, right? 17 home runs, 56 RBIs. Uh, the average is what the average is. I don't think it's ever going to help you. I think you're praying that it just doesn't hurt you. You're know, somewhere in, where it is now, 269. Even if it goes down to 260, I'm in the high 250s. I can take that for what he can give you because I think you're looking at someone who's going to hit 20 home runs. Once again, great ballpark to hit in. And I think 20 stolen bases could come here. So he's a player I like a lot, Scott, because as I've said this many times, I'm not drafting a D. Gordon. I don't draft a Hamilton. I'm not drafting any of those guys in the third, fifth, sixth round, whatever it is. So I need players like Anderson later on that I can fill probably a middle uh, infield slot that can pick up those stolen bases for me. All right. And we have Michael Taylor. He's hitting just 120. But he does have four steals. Taylor is getting the chance to play regularly in center field for the Nationals. Maybe a free free agent in some mixed leagues. I saw him going drafted in a few leagues. Uh, he's been aggressive on the base pass, but he hasn't hit yet. He does not have an extra base hit yet. I, this all comes about Robles, right? When are they going to call him up? You know, is Taylor going to be the guy that loses his job? I assume it is. Can Eaton stay healthy, too? That also factors into this. So uh, that's what I worry about Taylor. The longer he doesn't hit or the longer he's in a slump, you know, we're going to hear these rumors coming up. And sooner or later, they're going to come true. And that'll be the end for uh, Michael Taylor. So that's my biggest worry there. I do believe somewhat in the talent. I think he's an, an average Major League ball player. So fantasy-wise, he does have some value. But once again, I think he's just a caretaker, just holding a position here for Robles. 13 at-bats so far for Rajai Davis and three stolen bases. We're waiting for this guy to go away, but he never seems to. <laughs> That's a pretty accurate description there, Scott. Uh, I gotta, yeah, he, well, he, you are waiting for him to go away. Yeah, but now Brantley's back, so he's gonna lose even more at bats here. He's in, what a pinch hitter, a pinch runner extraordinaire. Yeah, you know, guy's gonna play once a week to give somebody a break until someone gets hurt. Uh, but the stolen base is just always there year after year. You know, same kind of player. He's a low end because he doesn't have playing time here, but for stolen bases, he still does have value. Yeah, but how much playing time is he going to get, like you said? So it's a real, real risk unless you play in an AL-only league. Uh, Kevin Pillar is uh, somebody, if you go to rotoexperts.com, you look at the waiver articles from Brandon Williams and uh, Cam Giant Grande. Yeah, they both talk about Pillar there. Uh, so far hitting two seventy three. He's got a homer, uh, but he does have three stolen bases. Kind of the... Kind of the end of the roster sort of guy. He give you a little bit of pop and a little bit of speed when he's staying healthy. The problem is that the way, with his type of game, him and Kier, uh, Kiermaier comes out to this to me too. They both play on turf. Both love diving to, on, on the ground for balls. They, dive, they run into walls. They're an injury waiting to happen. Or a guy who, even if he's not injured, is still not at full strength because they're banged up. So I always worry about Pilar, Kiermaier. They're just, they're just not going to last. I, I'm not a big believer in either one. But once again, the stolen bases, deeper leagues, the value's there. Let's look at some guys who are not playing so well early on. Lewis Brinson of the Marlins is certainly looking like a guy, at least early, that you know needs another year in the minors, although we could say that playing in Miami is like playing in the minors when you look at the ballpark and the roster, et cetera, and there are fans that don't show up. He's hitting 184 with 11 strikeouts in 38 at-bats uh, with only one RBI. Not surprising. I think scouts had their doubts that he, as you said, as he was ready to play. Miami, do they have anything to lose? They got to sell something to the fans. I mean, really, this is a bad team. I mean, really, a bad team. So I think he probably, on most normal teams, would be in the minors. Maybe he breaks out of it. Maybe they'll give him a little bit longer. But sooner or later, they're not going to have a choice. He doesn't start to hit. They're going to have to send him down just so he can get some confidence. 
Yeah, it's uh, not looking good early for him. Mike Trout's hitting just 184, but I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Ozzie Albies is hitting 216 with a, uh, but he does have two homers, uh, one stolen base. I think it's just a matter of waiting for him to start put up the numbers. Brett Gardner's hitting just 222, but there are some counting numbers, and yeah, he had a good game yesterday. And Ender Inciarte is hitting 222 with just one steal, but that's a guy that I'm certainly willing to uh, to wait on and be patient. You know, it's very very early with a lot of these guys. Uh, Chris Davis hitting just 200 with one homer so far, but no reason to panic. Giancarlo Stanton is hitting 200 with three home runs and 70, 17 RBIs, but he, he struck out 15 times and 35 at-bats so far. Yeah, I mean, most of these players uh, that you named here, they're playing in the Northeast. All right, and if you've seen the, the weather in the Northeast, it's, it's not baseball weather. It's absolutely been brutal this week between rain, snow, it's cold, uh, windy out there. It's just not baseball weather. And we see this every year, players who don't like hitting in the cold, and this is even beyond that. So you need to be patient with uh, I think most of these guys you just named. They're veterans. They will hit. They will produce. But, you know, I, I Scott, for most guys like this, I don't even worry about them. My first check mark, Memorial Day. You know, about a third of the season. Then I start to panic if their veterans still aren't hitting. It's not to say I won't make a move or a trade, but I think it makes my team better. But I'm not overreacting to guys like this. You know, I'm going to have more patience with my team, assume they'll pull out of it. Uh, we, Chris Davis will be the one guy who I don't really believe in. That's just, once again, another power guy. He's going to bat 220, hit 30-plus home runs. If you can live with that, fine. If not, you shouldn't have drafted him in the first place. Yeah, Gary Sanchez hitting just 063 with one homer. You know that's going to turn around. But here's a guy who's not in the Northeast. He's not a veteran. And... He's very young. Emmanuel Margot is hitting just 121 so far with one home run and two RBIs. He struck out six times in 33 at-bats. Six times 33 at-bats, that's not bad. At least he's sort of no. seeing the ball there. Maybe he's hitting into some bad luck. Uh, I'm okay. Once again, he's another guy I'm not going to release. Uh, probably not even for the hot rookie or the hot uh, waiver wire guy that's out there. I'm going to have more patience with Margot. Uh, so... Not panicking yet. Most of these guys, I'm not panicking on. It's it's not football. Fantasy baseball is not fantasy football. You, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You can wait, be patient. Let these guys play out. If they've done it before, odds are they'll do it again. Give them time. Yeah, and you have to t- tell that to fans of Cody Bellinger after the <laughs> the playoffs that he had last year, and he's off to a slow start, which is two two fifty with one homer and three RBIs. I see that the entire Dodger team's off to a slow start, uh, especially offensively. They uh, haven't hit their stride yet. Uh, once again, I, I may worry a little bit more about someone like Bellinger because you wonder if teams during the entire season did nothing but watch video on Bellinger looking for his holes. You know, and holes in the swing, and now they found them. You know, and they're exploiting him now. Well, another thing we like to say, baseball's a game of adjustments. If the pitchers have made adjustments to him, now he needs to make adjustments back. That'll prove how, uh, how good a player you're going to be long-term. But uh, overall... I mean, I may have some worry meter on Bellinger because he's only a second-year player. I, you can't say he's a proven player, but um, what are you going to do? You're not releasing him. You know, you're not going to trade him. You know, maybe you want to get the right value. Could you bench him until he breaks out? Sure, but I'm not there yet. Okay, what about guys like this who are kind of on the cusp? Maybe you drafted him in the final rounds. Everybody was when you got when you got a uh, Heimer Candelario. People are like, oh, that's a nice lace round pick for a dollar or in the reserve rounds. But so far, he's hitting 226 with no home runs and one RBI. And this guy becomes like an instant cut candidate if you have somebody like Eduardo Rodriguez coming back. 
Exactly. Those are the guys I can move on from. You know, and I'm, I'm probably still not going to, but you brought the perfect example of Rodriguez or Pomeranz who's back probably next weekend. Guys coming off the DL once or the hot well, the hot young guy that nobody ever took, the hot wave away guy. You know, those are guys I'll move on from Candelaria. I don't want to. Once again, I'd like to be more paid. I don't think 10 days is enough to really find out anything. Could just be a bad little streak here, but someone's got to go. You know, in that case, a player like Candelario or other young players, yeah, they, I can move on from them. What about sometimes when feelings linger from a previous season, everybody's, okay, I'll take the batting average hit with rough net Odor. But, uh, you know, if if the, he had, to, I think he had one of the lowest, if not the lowest, bat bip in the majors last year. But so far, he's hitting just 194 with no home runs. Now, people are starting to get a sour taste in their mouth if it lingers from last season. Oh, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think a lot of us do that, right? When you're in your fantasy teams, you look at them. This guy killed you last year. You ended up with him this year, and he's killing you again. You get down real quick. I mean, like the Zach Greinke thing with me, you know, uh, because of uh, something that's not really fair, but because I didn't want him and I ended up having to take him, I'm down on him. You had Rodor last year. You blame him for having, a, you know, costing you a championship or being in the money, getting up to a slow start. You're already angry, so you don't want to give him time to uh, to get out of it. I think Rodor comes down to what do you believe? Do you believe in the play from 2016? 33 home runs, 88 RBIs, double-digit stolen bases? Or do you believe he's the player from 17? We just be plummeted. Still hit, the, still hit the home runs, but the average was 204, which is an absolute crusher. You know, so I think it comes down to which do you believe there. Uh, I, I mean, if I drafted Odor and I didn't in any league, so I guess I'm on the, the not-believe category, I'm giving it more time. He's not a player, uh, he's not a player I would drop for Erod. When he comes back or Parmage or any uh, player coming back off the DL. I want to give him more time than this. But he's a player who, he may not be a Memorial Day player for me. He could be a May 1st player. If it's not happening by May 1st, I'm moving on. But I'm not there yet. You're listening to the Roto Experts here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Scott Engel and George Kurtz. Every Sunday morning from 9 to noon, you can listen to us live or on demand. We're glad we, that you're back with us here. And you can always call, call us at 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. We'll gladly answer any of your fantasy baseball questions uh, throughout the morning. And uh, you can also find me on at Scotty Roto X on Twitter and at George Kurtz Roto X on Twitter as well. Very easy for you to locate. And uh, let's go into some pitching here. And... You know the big uh, the big snake to stomp in the room is uh, is the fact that Corey Knebel is out six to eight weeks with a hamstring injury, and we saw we saw Barnes get the first save opportunity yesterday. Uh, it was blown four earned runs, two four runs, two earned. Uh, the defense did not help him out either, but blowing the first save opportunity does not help. It could end up being Matt Albers or it could end up being a combination of Albers and Barnes. This is a mess right now. I, if I had to bet, if you're, and we're all betting tonight, right? Because that's pretty much what Fab is. Uh, Hater, Barnes, Albers. I'm still going with Barnes. I think the key to yesterday was the defense. All right, I, So I don't want to knock him down uh, just for one blown save. I mean, he gets some of the blame as well. But the defense played poorly, uh, so I'll, I'll go with it there. I'll give him another shot here. I'll spend some money. But unless I'm desperate for save, Scott, it, uh, I'm not spending more than 
12, 15% of my money. I may go 10, 12 dollars, 100 dollar fab league, uh, another zero on top of that, and a thousand dollar fab. But I don't think this is long term. A Knievel's gonna be back June 1st, somewhere around there. So you're not gonna get him long term. And I think this could be a committee for a while until one of these guys figures it out. You know, Milwaukee's pitching staff right now is a is a dumpster fire. Yeah, you know what? I ha- I have uh, Knievel on one team, and he was my fourth-ranked closer coming out of the preseason behind that big three right there. But I do have Jerry's Familia and uh, Rossi Iglesias, so I can survive. And I'm putting in a decent bid for Albers. Like, I'm spending about 7% of my budget, 7 to 8% of my budget on Albers, and that'll be it. Uh, Wade Davis so far, you wouldn't know he's not pitching in Colorado uh, he has four saves so far. He has a uh, 4.15 ERA and a 1.15 WHIP. I guess we could expect him to finish with about that pitching in Colorado. Jerry's familiar was a guy that I got either for cheap or late in a lot of my drafts. A lot of people didn't have. We'll think about the injury last year, plus the fact that said Callaway might go with a committee at some point, and I had heard late in camp that. There was just no way there was not going to be anybody but Familia. It's he got a five-out save against the Nationals last year, and while well, once in a while he does tend to get a little skittish, bounce balls in the dirt, try to make batters chase him, does uh you know does put a few runners on here and there. So far he's got four saves, six innings pitch. He's got six strikeouts. He has not allowed an earned run yet, and he has a WHIP of 083. I have Familia as, as my closer in every league but one. And the only league I don't have him, he was a keeper from last year. Uh, for everything you said, I'd never bought into uh, Mickey Calloway saying, uh, we're going to go by closer by committee, only because the pitching coach denied that almost what, less than a week later. I've been write, writing about this for the closer report on Roto Experts, that Familia was the guy to grab there. Had no worries about Familia. Not as far as him being uh, in a committee. I might have been worried about injury or about, uh, as you mentioned, he could be a little wild, a little picky sometimes, rather than just throwing the ball over the plate. I believe in Familia. That's why I have it, because you, you said it. You gave it to get him for a song. And all drafts, auctions too. You know, I was able to get him for 2 or $3 in a walk. It was great. Because I believe as a player, I banked on that. I, uh, I said I didn't buy into what the Mets were trying to sell there. So uh, familiar, I think is fine. If he's out there in your waiver wire. Obviously, you want to go out and grab him, but he's a guy who could get 30, 40 saves pretty easily. Yeah, I don't think he's on any waiver wires. I think he just went cheaper than than in past years on the free agent list. I doubt if he's on any free agent list. I got him for five dollars in Tout Wars. Actually, I don't have familiar uh, with with uh, Iglesias in the league. I actually have Brad Boxberger who. Uh, Tony Sincata and, and company were talking to late in the preseason uh, to one Arizona reporter, and everybody was drafting Archie Bradley, and I got Brad Boxberger as my first reserve pick. He's got three saves uh, so far with a 0.77 average against. Yeah, and Boxberg's another guy. Do I think he'll have the job all year long? No, but he's solid in it now. Most closers aren't going to have the job all year long. It's the most, um, I think it's the most volatile, volatile position in sports, Scott. As far as the major why sports. Why don't you think he wouldn't have the job? I play the numbers. By July, by the All-Star break, more than half these closers won't have the job. So once again, the numbers will just tell you that. I don't think he's a surefire closer. There'll be an injury. There'll be poor performance. Someone else they want to put in there. Or if they fall out of it, they'll be trading him. Any one of those reasons. Uh, it's just a numbers game for me. I don't think he's a surefire closer. I think there's only about eight of those in the game. Where guys you just know are going to close. Everybody else is uh, immensely replaceable. I do think Bradley's a better pitcher, but I think he is more valuable to a team in a non-closer role where maybe he can go multiple innings. 
Yeah, Boxberger stays there and he stays healthy. He's got a shot. He did save 41 games uh, two years ago. Coming up next, it's Roto Experts at the Park with the New York Mets. We'll talk to Todd Frazier. The Mets off to a hot start, 6-1. and one. Uh, Some fun and some serious next with the Mets. Todd Frazier right here on the Roto Experts on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back here on the Roto Experts, Scott Engel and George Kurtz. And... Most Sundays, we are going to have Roto Experts at the park as I continue to go out to uh, the stadiums and talk to some of your key fantasy players and some of your favorite ball players, and you get to hear from them right here. And today, we begin with the New York Mets' Todd Frazier, and here's me at uh, City Field with the Mets' newest third baseman. Scott Engel with Todd Frazier. Todd, where does the nickname the Todd Father come from? Uh, that pretty much happened in uh, the minor leagues with Cincinnati. Uh, a couple fans in Louisville started calling me that, and uh, <clears throat> it caught on like wildfire. So uh, I would say that happened about, I would say about 10 or 11 years ago, and um, it's one of my favorite ones. So I, I'd like to stick with that one. Everybody's, you know, got something different when they come up to the plate, like they play trap music or classic rock, but you have Frank Sinatra as your walk-up song. Yeah, yeah, that, that goes for my grandma, man. She always used to play that slow music back in the day, I'll be honest. When I was younger, I didn't really like it, didn't understand it, and then, you know, it's like a fine wine sometimes. You hear it over and over, you're eventually going to like it, or you're just going to not go over grandma's house anymore. So fell in love with it, and uh, it makes me think about family and uh, relaxes me at the plate. So uh, Fly Me to the Moon is where we're at. Your older brothers play ball. How much were they an influence in uh, shaping you as a ball player, and how much do they still help you? Huge, huge influence. Uh, you know, I always wanted to be like them. They always let me play with their friends and uh, <clears throat> made me better because they're three, four years older. And four or five years down the road, I'm the number one guy being picked because I kind of, you know, I was the guy that, that watched and asked a lot of questions. And uh, eventually uh, I outsmarted them a little bit and got bigger and stronger, and uh, I thank them every day for that. You were out there for a while on the market besides, you know, your reputation as an established veteran. You know, what was that like and what's your view of what happened in free agency overall this year? Yeah, it wasn't fun. I'll be honest with you. It was frustrating. Um, some some days were unbearable, to be honest. You know, people don't understand uh, what it does to your family, you know, when you're trying to find a job. And uh, like I said, a lot of people got, you know, didn't get what they're supposed to. And uh, it's very frustrating. So, uh I'm glad I'm here, though. I'm glad, um, you know, Sandy gave me an opportunity and uh, glad to be close to home. So what's the difference between playing here and in the Bronx so far? I mean, you've only been here a few yeah. days, but... It's, t- it's tough. It's tough to tell. Uh, fans are great. Uh, the city over here in Queens is awesome. I mean, we got a lot of good fans, and uh, it's a great team. I mean, I love playing with these guys. They're fun. They're, they're happy, and uh, they know what we got here. 
Now, everybody wants to see David Wright back, obviously, but uh, do you feel like, in a way, until he comes back or if he comes back, like you're kind of sliding into his role, strong clubhouse veteran, power hitter, good with the glove in the field? Yeah, no, I, we want him back. I, I want him back, for sure. I mean, he can only help this team. Uh, I hope for the best for him. He's a great guy. He understands the game. He's been playing it long enough. He's the captain of this team, and uh, to have him back and 100% healthy would only help this ball club uh, immensely. You had the highest on-base percentage of uh, your career last year. Uh, is that something you worked on and you take pride in? I take a lot of pride in it now. Uh, you know, I got a two-strike approach. I'm just trying to see the ball a little bit longer. I used to chase those sliders in the dirt. I mean, I've been, I will. I'll, I'll do it anyway still, but I'll minimize that. And, um, you know, I'll take my walks when I can because it only helps the team. You get another run around, put more pressure on the other team, and uh, eventually those runs will come in. Some of us fantasy baseball guys, instead of uh, using batting average, we use on base percentage now, which makes us like you. You play fantasy football. Not that you know how it works, but do you, do you take it as a compliment when people say they've drafted you in a fantasy baseball league? No, uh, it doesn't matter. I, I guess I'll take it as a compliment, but at the end of the day, I know who I'm playing for. I'm playing for myself, my family, and uh, the New York Mets. So uh, if I help some people out in fantasy, that's awesome. Uh, I know how it is with fantasy football. I'm sure I get yelled at a lot on TV. I'm sure I get, you know, they get excited for me in a good way too as well. But in baseball, there's a lot more failure, so there's going to be a lot of upset people out there. But And then when I do good, it, it's one of those things. It's hit or miss. So it's, uh, it's fun to do for those guys, but um, they got to understand it's a long season. Right, thanks a lot. You got it, man. Interesting talking to Todd Frazier, George, because, you know, he started out, you know, having fun talking about his nickname and his walk-up song, you know, fly me to the moon, you know, when you go to to City Field. But then he gets all serious when he talks about free agency and how tough it was to be out there. And I think the Met, that's why the Mets brought him in, because to me, and like I said to him, he is what David Wright was. It's, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, approachable guy in the clubhouse uh, can be a leader. I, I know that when he was with Cincinnati and with the White Sox, he was regarded as a strong clubhouse axis uh, can hit for some power good with the glove in the field. And I think, you know, the Mets have, you know, probably moved on from David Wright at this point to the point where like they, they feel like he's a bonus if he comes back and Frazier can fill that role. And he's more of a, I think, you know, the Mets are 6-1 and so far. We'll see if they can keep it up. But, you know, this is the kind of guy they bring in where, you know, fantasy players look at it on the outside and say, well, you know, why did they get him instead of Eduardo Nunez, for instance, who could put up better stats across the board? It's because of the intangibles that Frazier brings to a team. And then it also goes to speak to, like, okay, what kind of – fantasy format do you do you play in because Frazier said himself I'll chase pitches etc but last year he had a 344 on base percentage and a 14.4 walk percentage with both were career highs Frazier uh, I mean I I think everybody loves his intangibles what he brings to the clubhouse I think is great uh, I think watching him last year with the Yankees his defense slipped he wasn't very good defender for the Yankees last year. That was probably the most disappointing thing. Uh, as far as uh, the low batting average in the home, I think it's what we expected or what the Yankees expected. He was going to hit some bombs, but the average would suffer. I think the defense was disappointing for whatever reason because that's not him. He is a good defender, but with the Yankees, his, def- uh, his defense, I wouldn't call it poor, but it slipped. He was like a bad goalie. A lot of balls went through him. You know, it was hard to figure out why there. Uh, 
you know, let's see about the free agent. I think some of these players have to watch. Fans don't understand, really. I think fans are not, not too worried about how many millions of dollars you're going to make for a player like Frazier. I understand it wasn't what you thought you should make or what you could make and what a lot of other players could make, but fans aren't feeling bad for anybody here. So they think players have to be very careful when they walk that line about saying something about fans. That, that stuck out to me. As fans don't understand, I was worried my family because I was home. You've got gazillions of dollars in the bank. No one's feeling bad for you there. Just be careful when they uh, – and they need to be very careful when they talk about money in this day and age. I don't think the average fan can relate to it, though. But when you're used to a certain standard of living or you just don't have a job, period, it, look, it's not like he's, you know, he's going to – He's going to end up in the poorhouse or anything like that, but he didn't know if it was his career was over. I think you know it's. I think that's that's what was tough for him. He didn't know where he was going to play if he was going to be late to spring training, et cetera. You know, not that he that he that that he needed the money, but more the fact that he didn't know where he was going career wise. And that's probably how he should have put it. Yeah, so it's like I said, it stuck out to me when he started. I'm like, don't you don't want to get the fans involved in money there because no one's going to like I said, no one's going to feel bad for you. You know, uh, you're, you're secure. Most of us aren't. And we're fighting. So uh, I think it's want to be very careful. Most players want to be very careful about that. If it, they phrase it the way you said it, that's different. You know, that's that kind of what I took from what he with. said, though. But that's not what he said. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing. You know, I, I just, if I'm players, I'm leaving the fans out of it. Never want to bring the – because uh, people are always going to point that out. Just leave the fans out and say everything else, and you're fine. I, I wouldn't say that. But as, as far as fantasy was concerned, I mean – I like Frazier because, uh, you know, I think, I think he is a, a great clubhouse guy. I think he's very good for morale, very good with team, kind of guy you want on your team because, uh, once again, veteran knows how to play, but I think his numbers will slip as we go along here. I don't think the power will. I think, you know, he'll be the guy who's going to hit some home runs, but I think the average is going to keep going down, down, down to where he's going to, is that going to hurt your fantasy watch? Could be in the 230, 220 range. None of this would shock me, but. I know he doesn't have any home runs yet. I expect City Field, I think, would probably be a little bit uh, slumped down. So maybe it's 25 home runs, which is still useful. But he's corner infielder for me, nowhere near a starter. Yeah, I mean, the average is just 208, and it wasn't too high last year. But I think when you drafted him, you expected about 30 home runs. I think that's tough. I mean, maybe you're still hitting in uh, Cincinnati or Chicago. You know, City Field, that ball is not going to travel as much. I think 30 home runs is asking a lot. I think uh, he had 27 last year for the Yankees and uh, White Sox. I think if you get that again, you're happy. But I'm not even sure he can make that. Not in City Field. Yeah, maybe about a 220 hitter with 25 homers, something like that. That's what I'd bet on. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit more valuable in an NL only league. But if you're playing an on base percentage league, though, I think you could, you could expect, you know, that he's going to be average to above average. It really depends on what format you play in. OBP, he's not even a huge OBP guy, though. His best OBP is what, generally around 333. He, did, he was 344 last year. You know, so that was really his, his high for quite a while. 333 so far this season. Nice, but I don't see him being a huge, uh, even add to that. He, fantasy-wise, he's not going to hurt you as much in OBP as he was yes. batting average. I'll give you. I'll certainly give you that. Uh, it's the power, but that's what you're, you're drafting him for. The, if he's on your team, it's, you want those home runs. So let's move back uh, to some pitching here and uh, look at some starting pitchers who have uh, performed well so far. Patrick Corbin is two and zero with a one point thirty eight ERA. Uh, I remember when I first saw Corbin is like his rookie year, and he had this really nice curveball and uh, some good command. But he's had a lot of problems staying healthy, and just a zero point seven seven WHIP so far. 
He looks really good. I mean, he does look really good. Uh, both starts were in Arizona. It's maybe the humidor is helping him and not everybody else. Uh, Pitched against Colorado and the Dodgers. Now, uh, both teams really haven't hit their stride offensively yet. So that's something to be taken into consideration here. And you know, we'll say this over and over again. It's just two starts, uh, but it's certainly encouraging. You know, because Corbin's a guy who's had it before. He's pitched well in the past, but you said it. Injuries have really, uh, I don't want to say derailed his career, but certainly uh, taken off the tracks a little bit. We'd like to see a little bit better here. Uh, I have faith in Corbin, but I do wonder, Scott, as the innings pile up, you know, as the season goes on, if those numbers are going to, obviously they're going to crawl up, but if they're going to crawl up massively to where he is that 4 ERA guy, that 1.25, 1.3 whip guy. Uh, he's, he's, got, he's a guy who's going to scream to me, Scott. If he can get another good start or two, sell high. Yeah, he's got 20 strikeouts in 13 innings pitch and only eight hits allowed. It's a great start. And uh, I do, I said, I do have faith. If I, if I have Corbin, um, I am trying to look at a deal, but a couple more starts. And I think you need that before you can really uh, maybe maybe maximize his value because I do think it'll come down. But I, uh, he's not a player I I'll dump for anything. You know, I'm oh best offer. No, I want an offer that makes sense for me, or else I will hold on to him. Yeah, it's not it's not a point where he's only allowed he's only allowed eight hits so far, two walks. So I can't say he has a high strand rate. And, I want to wait to see what the bad bit fleshes out to be before I make any judgments. Rick Purcello thinks it's two years ago. Uh, well, not quite. 284 ERA. But he's 2-0 and with the 284 ERA and a 103 whip. Uh, you know, Porcello, nowhere near as good as he was last uh, two years ago, but probably nowhere near as bad as he was two years ago. Uh, went undrafted in a lot of leagues, probably, and uh, maybe you can pick him up as a free agent. You know, it's it's funny. I was uh, my last draft I did. Uh, I did with Chris Mitchell, and it was uh, he needed somebody in his friends and family league. And Chris is out of Boston, and listen, Boston players were flying off the board. It was it was funny. It was what you would think right. about when you play in one of these leagues. But Porcello wasn't one of them. <laughs> I was like, he was, la- and I'm laughing while doing my draft. Like, I can't believe this guy is still here. Even the Boston fans don't like him. I mean, so it was just funny wait, say, uh, waiting for him. Uh, listen, he should be in, in drafted in all leagues. He's not what he was two years ago. Uh, Kate Upton had the greatest tweet ever, and she was absolutely correct. Uh, Justin Verlander should have won that Cy Young. Uh, but Porcel deserves to be on your, uh, your fantasy uh, somewhere on your starting staff. All right, he's a useful pitcher here. Red Sox are going to win some games. We need that. I'm taking everything in context with everybody on Boston right now. Let's not forget, the only two teams they've played – are the Miami Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays. They may be the two worst teams in baseball. You know, certainly the bottom five. So, uh, grain of salt here with the, uh, everybody on the Red Sox, here, especially the pitching staff here. Those numbers are going to crawl up. They will face some actual major league teams at some point this season, just not in the, not in the first 10 days of the season. How about Garrett Cole? Wow, look at the start that he's off to. He's got 22 strikeouts in 14 innings after another dominant performance yesterday. 0.64 ERA, 14 innings pitch, only seven hits allowed, three walks. He's got a 0.71 whip so far. Uh, Cole was, it seemed like, a crossroads coming out of Pittsburgh. And so far, he's acclimated to the world champions already and had one of the best starts in franchise history. Yeah, Cole looks great. I mean, is it getting out of Pittsburgh? Is it not the pressure of being the number one guy? I mean, that's, but, you know, Justin Verlander there. You got uh, Dallas Keuchel there. Lance McCullough is the oh, the Ballyhoo this uh, spring training. Uh, I mean, I think all the pressure's off of him. 
you know, I think all the pressure is off, and he's just shown uh, how good a pitcher he can be. And I don't think he's ever going to be a, um, you know, uh, the Verlander, Chris Sale, David Price. I don't think a guy that type, but he's the next level down. He's a guy I tried to acquire in as many leagues as I could. Uh, broke a pencil or two when someone took him right before me in drafts. Uh, I believe in Cole. I truly do. Uh, I think uh, once a great team, a lot of W's coming. Uh, the, will the whip and ERA be a little higher eventually during the season than what they would be in Pittsburgh? Different ballparks? Sure, I could buy that. American League, better hitters, DH and all that. But in the end, I am a huge believer in Cole. If anyone wants to sell high on Gary Cole, please come talk to me. Yeah, and... You know, I see this being around the game and talking to people, being on the MLB beat. Sometimes when you're in a winning environment, it spurs you to play better because you're around other high-level pitchers and the guys are always competing with each other and pushing each other. And sometimes they won't accept less from you. Agreed. You'll get no argument from me there. We've all played on sports teams where, uh, you know, playing well, everything just works out well for you. I also think there's less pr- uh, pressure on him in the fact that he gives up a home run the first inning. It's not going to be a big deal. I'm just going to score some run. You're still going to win the game. You know, he doesn't have to worry about that with uh, uh, with Houston that he did in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's offense was uh, not poor, but it wasn't it wasn't what Houston is. Houston's got all-stars everywhere. And in my mind, Houston's the best team in baseball. I'm not even sure it's all that close. What about Dylan Bundy so far? 0.69 ERA, 15 strikeouts in 13 innings, and a 1.00 whip. And, and uh, you know, it's not like he's faced the Marlins in the race. No, uh, for me, I always have a hard time, really anybody on Baltimore for that matter, because it's the American League East. That's a whole lot of games against the Yankees, the Sox, uh, the Blue Jays can hit, and you're in that ballpark. You know, Carey has the ball flies out of there. Very good hit his park. So I'm going to have a tough time believing in someone like Bunny for where he's going to go or where he where he went in drafts. He just goes higher than I'm willing to uh, willing to put him. And I don't think I just don't think he's a good enough pitcher to do that. He's also going to be the guy who screams to me. Uh, more of a long-term sell high, not someone the first couple of weeks, but first couple of months I'm going to want to move on from. I think the long season does get to him. But then, uh, you know, last two years, Whip is very good. doesn't put people on for free, but the ERA, 4.24, I don't see Baltimore winning a ton of games this year. Where's my upside here? You know, he's a little less than a strikeout per inning pitch, so what category is he truly helping me in? I'd rather, have, I'd rather give him to somebody else, let them have the problem. All right, lots more coming in the next hour, the first hour. About to wrap up here on the Roto Experts. Uh, We're here every Sunday from 9 to noon. And you can always listen to us on demand as well. And check out us out on rotoexperts.com. Every week, uh, George will do the closing report and who's hot and who's cold and uh, what you should do with that. Uh, We have several articles per week, including our weekly planner coming today as well. And also two waiver reports on the site from uh, Cam Jai Grande and Brandon Williams. We've got lots more coming in hour two. We'll uh, focus on the Philadelphia Phillies. Interviews with Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola. If you also go online to rotoexperts.com, there's even more at the Roto Experts at the Park, even with Scott Kingery. So, uh, but coming up next, we'll look at some slow starting pitchers. And coming up in this hour, we'll talk waivers as well.